time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly Oregon market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. It is March 22nd, 2021. Hope you're having a great week. Now, of course, we are, we're going to be looking at the markets here shortly with Matt, but anytime the markets deteriorate, we play Matt, jokingly so. But uh, we're so excited to have you here, and uh, this podcast is created by Mortgage Professionals. It is for Mortgage Professionals, and we're so grateful to have you, our listener, here each and every week and sharing it with others. That's how our audience has grown to the size it has. It's just amazing. Approaching 600,000 downloads of our podcast, 100,000 regular listeners. Thank you so much and appreciate you being here with us. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. I want to pause for a moment and just say that we've had a bit of a tragedy in our podcast family. It's so sad. We have two people that work behind the scenes. Unfortunately, Nikki Whitaker lost her, had a tragic, sudden, unexpected end of the life of her 20-year-old son, Ethan Michael Whitaker, who passed away this past week. And I, when she called me, I've heard tears before, but I've never heard tears from the depth of someone's soul, such as I heard this past week. And so please keep the Whitaker family in your thoughts and prayers as they deal with this horrific, unexpected tragic loss of their son, 20-year-old son. And so our thoughts and prayers go out to you, Nikki, and your husband and your whole family. The funeral was yesterday. And um, as it was just one of those moments where you just, when you take time with folks to go love on the ones you take for granted, we just assume they'll always be there. And sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And uh, things happen. And we're just saddened. And our hearts go out to the Whitaker family. And it is a good reminder for us all just to love on each other. Spend that extra moment saying, I don't get to see you again. Just know I love you. And we love you, our listeners. And we're so grateful to have you here. Talking about loving on people, we're going to be continuing our series on recruiting top talent. We've had some great guests, including um, our good friend Bill Cosgrove. Bill was writing me back just recently saying what, how much he enjoyed the interview. And, of course, we've had so many other guests on already. So I just want to tell you, encourage you to listen to this series that we're doing. Again, rates are popping up, so we're actually going to be possibly seeing the potential for the first time, what seems forever, a potential of some uh, layoffs. I don't know if that's going to be happening, but uh, it is possible if we see Matt continuing to mess up with the markets. Again, places blaming Matt, jokingly. But if the markets continue to deteriorate, it's very distinctly possible we could see interest rates going up and layoffs happening. So how do you keep the right people on the bus, the right people off the bus? So it's applicable. What we're talking about is when we're growing, when we're planning this series, we were just looking where we're going to hire the next underwriter and how much are we going to have to pay them. And so we're really looking at uh, recruiting. And we're going to be continuing on today. And I'm really excited about today's guest. We have Eric Levin, EVP of Client Development at Model Match. Now, this is a really interesting business model that I've just was introduced to me by one of my clients. I'm really excited to get on with Eric he has over 20 years of supporting strategic growth needs of clients in the financial services industry. We're going to continue our discussion on recruiting. Also, Eric is a podcaster, and he has his podcast, and we recorded an interview of me 
last Thursday that will be being released here pretty soon. So, very good. One thing, we're thrilled to be a part of IndustrySyndicate.com. A great way to get information and sources of other podcasts that are out there. So, check out IndustrySyndicate.com. Great to be a part of it. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. Yeah, we interviewed Michael Fratton, Tony, on January 4th. You got to go back and listen to that interview. Michael nailed it. Did he? He talked about interest rates going up. The question is, did anyone anticipate them going up as fast and as high as quickly as they did here? Also, we were on a town hall meeting with the NBA puts out. If you're a member of the NBA, you get to get in on these town hall meetings. And it's a really an update to the industry. And I really applaud Bob Brooksbent, Marsha Davies, and the whole team, Michael Franton, Tony, the whole team gets on and does a spectacular job of doing these updates. So I was went on last week with that, learned a lot. And you can, if you're a member of the NBA, you can get a download of that. So also, Finastra, the Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution, you can experience the power of a fully integrated approach to mortgage lending when you use this kind of a system. And it simplifies the borrowing experience and it streamlines the process for employees. Our interview with Dan Putney on January 11th was real good. Check that one out. Also, Lenders One, please to be a part of the Lenders One co-op, as well as the Mortgage Collaborative. I was talking with David Kittle yesterday, my good buddy, golfing buddy, and mortgage professional friend, David Kittle. He's, doing, he's just been busier than ever else. I really value the relationship with both of these co-ops. And here's why you want to become a member of a co-op in addition to the NBA, not in place of, but in addition to the NBA, because of what you get an up-close personal experience comparing notes with your peers. Encourage you to check it out. Also, there's the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, another organization that focuses more on the independent mortgage bankers. And also Indicom, they have great partnership with lenders and servicers and mortgage insurance and title insurance companies. And they achieve one specific goal. And I love this simple goal, to help you grow your business. Check out Indicom.com. Great company. Get all this information on our website by going to the sponsors. Also, one of our sponsors is Accelerate. Helps lenders grow more quickly through radically changing how lenders communicate and engage with borrowers. Josh Friend, we had that interview. There was a lot of information that's getting downloaded as the August 17th interview, 2020. Check out that interview with Josh Friend. A lot of wisdom there and looking at this, especially some of you can looking at converting to Consumer Direct. Now, Accelerate works both for the purchase model and builder model and traditional model as well as the Consumer Direct. A lot of wisdom in that interview. Also, we're thrilled to have a relationship with Ken, Knowledge Coop, Ken Perry's company. Knowledge Coop, check that out. Also, Mobility RE and Modex. Both of these companies provide market intelligence about recruiting. It's a great topic we're on, and it fits nicely into what we're doing. So check out Mobility MMI as well as Modex. These work right alongside each other. We use both of these tools in advising our clients on how to recruit effectively. So I want to say a special thank you to Alice, Alan, and Matt for their contributions each and every week. So let's get over to hear what Rob Van Rapport of the NBA has for us with today's Mortgage Minute. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Van Rappers. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last Tuesday, the Senate Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs Committee held the first of what is expected to be a series of oversight hearings on housing policy this year. MBA will continue to work with senators who mentioned their specific housing legislative priorities as the committee starts work on considering a housing title that could be included in comprehensive infrastructure legislation. Also last week, 
HUD finalized updated forms in the FHA single-family condo approval process. Mortgagees may begin using the new forms immediately with mandatory use beginning for case numbers assigned on or after May 17, 2021. And finally, according to MBA's latest forbearance and call volume survey, the total number of loans now in forbearance has decreased by nine basis points from 5.14% to 5.05%. According to MBA's estimate, 2.5 million homeowners are in forbearance plans. That's it for now. Thanks for joining. Yeah, good job, Rob. Appreciate you and appreciate the MBA, all that they do there. Let's get right into Les Parker's segment. But here's the deal. I, I got called out. Some of our listeners are so funny. I got corrected by a lot of them. But Kimberly with Freddie Mac, Kim called me and said, Dave, you said Les Parker's song. Remember his song, the theme song in his music was, what goes up must come down. And I said, oh, it's so good to hear that song from Chicago. Well, I got corrected. So anyway, it was Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yes. Thank you so much. So I'm a product of that music. I don't know why I forgot. Maybe it's because I'm getting so old to see now. But now let's get over to Les Parker. I'm not so fond of this week's music selection, but nonetheless, fits in with what's going on. Les, what you got for us today? TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Washington. Terry. Deflation all upon the battle rages between investors and Washington, that is, the Federal Reserve and Treasury. Europe and China want to end the U.S. dollar's reign as the reserve currency. But the Macron and Merkel alliance fades as the German elections pointed to rebellion against the establishment's failures. Macron becomes the classic panderer ahead of the French election in April 2022. Treasury wants to raise taxes by record amounts. Expect such talk to lead to lower rates, briefly, but with violent moves. Washington. Terry. Deflation. All apart. These views are my own. Want more? Go to TMSpotlight.com. Okay. Good message. It ties in with what's going on. I like the report, but I don't like the music. I still like uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. What? goes up anyway check out les parker's newsletter you can do so by going to tmspotlight.com and you can subscribe and if you go in into the when you're at the subscription button you put in power p-o-w-e-r put in power the word power and for power seller and you'll get the paid version for free great word matt good to have you here with us of course we blame you for the markets going up or down. We give you credit when you <laughs> But there hasn't been a much of that going on lately, friend. What is going on? Uh, I, well, we can't blame your singing, that's for sure, Dave. <laughs> that's a vocal major. Oh, that was good. Sure. That slipped. That slipped. That's good. <laughs> You're the voice of an angel. I'm, I'm bringing my guitar next time I'm out in Texas. We're going to get it done. <laughs> you got it. We'll get it done. We'll get some good music going. <laughs> Fannie Mae Jane. Get the old Fannie Mae band back. Anyway. Looking at the 10-year, we're starting to get back down into the medium middle part of the range. But, uh, uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, starting to a little bit. I mean, yeah, the medium part of the range for last week, for sure. But uh, before yeah, for that, that yeah. This, yeah, before that, this might have not have been the best place to be. Um, so, last week, that, there's a lot to cover here, so I'll dig right into it. 
We'll start with the normal, you know, more boring stuff, econ data. Uh, and we talked last week um, about the first major report coming up it was going to be retail sales on Tuesday. And it missed big, minus 3.0 versus awesome. forecast ca- calling for minus 0.5. So that's a huge miss for retail sales, and uh, markets did nothing on that. Now, there was a revision to the previous month, up to 7.6 from 5.3. But later, you know, 45 minutes later, industrial production came out, minus 2.2 versus plus uh, 0.3. Another really big miss in econ data, and yet again, no market reaction. So this, right out of the gate, was a major clue as to the tone of the week and where the bond market's focus was or was not in this case. And uh, even though you know the story of the economy coming back from COVID-driven lockdown economic weakness is uh, you know central to the rising rate environment. It is not central to rising rates on any given week at any given moment. This week, or last week in this case, happened to be all about the Fed, and not really for the regular reasons, but uh, we talked about that SLR stuff. And the Fed uh, you know, didn't hike, didn't change the verbiage of their announcement much at all, um, and we'll get to SLR in a second. They did change their economic projections, and this is something that Powell likes to remind reporters not to put too much emphasis on, but people are going to do it anyway, and they continue to do it. And this is the dot plot that everyone talks about, Dave, and that's the one where uh, Fed members vote on where they see the Fed funds rate over time, and we still are not seeing a median view of a hike in 2023. That headline played well for bonds, actually, uh, at first. But the dot plot did show we're now seven votes for 2023 liftoff versus five last time. So there's a little bit of migration in the dots, and that could give some traders some pause. But all in all, it was fairly well received at 2 p.m. 2.30 p.m. rolls around, Powell starts talking, and by and large, he is dovish. He's bond-friendly. Um, a lot of people think Powell has done nothing but damage the bond market recently, and here's, here was a great example of the opposite happening. He, um, you know, I, I don't know if you would say he tried to talk rates down, but he was definitely bond friendly. One reporter asked if it was time to start talking about tapering or when it was time to start talking about tapering, and Powell just said, not yet, and that was the end of that question. He shut it down very quickly. Uh, reiterated their commitment to yeah, keeping inflation, you know, over 2% for a while and their ability to deal with it. If it uh, started to run hot, uh, reiterated that they would be very, very clear and give tons of advance notice when it came time to taper, but they weren't close to that yet, but that they were committed to avoiding a taper tantrum, like, you know, market reaction. Uh, so all that was good. But there was a question, which we were almost certain there would be, about SLR, the supplementary leverage ratio thing that uh, is a temporary rule created last April that theoretically allowed banks to buy and hold more treasuries without it affecting their leverage ratios. And it is set to expire at the end of this month, and about half the market was looking for an extension and half was expecting the Fed to let it expire. When asked, Powell said, 
don't have a comment on that, we'll have something for you in the coming days. So that was tough because how do you take that? We'll have something for you in the coming days. Is it such a big deal to the Fed that they're going to announce an absence of an an extension? Right. Or do you take that to mean, well, if they're going to announce something, it's probably going to be some, at least some kind of extension. So markets didn't react poorly to that at the time. And Wednesday ended up being a decent day. Intraday, yields moved lower. But then overnight, Asian and European markets completely blasted the U.S. bond market. And we quickly found ourselves up at 1.75%, which was the next technical target that we talked about last week after you know breaking 1.63. And then on Friday, uh, confirmation that the market's fears were justified in the form of the Federal Reserve Board of Governors releasing official statements saying that uh, SLR would be allowed to, or the temporary SLR rule would be allowed to expire and that they would revisit their leverage ratio rules to see if it, you know, uh, if they should be any different right now. But by that time, there wasn't a ton of market reaction left to have on that topic. It was the single biggest minute of Treasury futures volumes that we've seen in, and I can only go back so far to look at minute by, by minute volume, but it was definitely on the market's radar. I just think a lot of that trade had taken place in advance. A lot of the weakness recently, you know, can be chalked up to that. <clears throat> so, you know, we ended the week holding in that uh, 1.7 to 1.75 range. Not a great place to be in terms of 10-year yields, but um, not a, a surprising place to be in the absence of SLR. So coming up this week, you know, we get to find out, was 1.75, now that we hit that technical target, will that be the ceiling? You know, it was 1.63. We broke it. Now it was 1.75. We're holding it. Let's see how we do with that. Uh, on the data front, uh, existing home sales is already out. Bit weaker than expected. Not troubled by it. Still great numbers. Uh, new home sales tomorrow expected to be weaker. We're seeing, you know, rising rates take a toll more so on refis, but a little bit on the purchase market as well. It's hard to slow this purchase market down, of course. And uh, then Wednesday, durable goods is expected to come in lower than expected. I'm going to say expected one more time. There we go. That's three. (laughs) And then uh, jobless claims with us as always on Thursday, uh, 730 versus 770 is the forecast. GDP is forecast to be unchanged at 4.1. Really no one paying attention at this point because that is the second revision. And uh, it's, you know, very stale data at this point. And core PCE inflation on Friday that is seen coming in the same as last time at 1.5. So we are not yet to those reports that are going to be distorted by quote unquote base effects, meaning that this uh, current month number is based on a month in the previous year that was very, very different, thus uh, distorting it. And what we're going to see is very high inflation numbers in the coming months due to the very low inflation numbers uh, 12 months ago in 2020. So that'll be a factor in the next couple of reports, but not these. The highlight of the week, not really on the data front, is the Treasury auction cycle. And while it's not the more significant of the two Treasury auction cycles, it was a market mover last time it came around. It can be again. And so we have uh, two five- and seven-year auctions on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, respectively. And this will give the bond market sort of a chance to 
endorse this new 1.7 range or you know push back against it. So if we see very strong auction results uh, without yields backing up too much further, it could be a sign that you know we're going to try harder to solidify this ceiling. And uh, I think we're just taking things one day at a time when it comes to the sell-off one. because it has <laughs> defied a lot of expectations. And last but not least, on a loan pricing front, I know Alice is going to talk about this more, but we saw many more lenders roll out their non-owner and second home hits. Several mm-hmm. lenders rolled out bigger hits. And uh, a couple lenders said, hey, we're going to be adjusting pricing on this stuff very fluidly and we're not going to give you a heads up every time we do we're just going to reprice and that'll be that there won't be an official announcement and um you know people are trying to kind of scramble to figure out the new normal there and that is uh yeah it's causing a lot of headaches for a lot of people and definitely a lot of surprises for clients that had been quoted a non-owner second home rate before last week uh, coming to see that things have changed fairly drastically mm-hmm that's an understand, understatement for sure. Yeah. Yep. So that's it. I mean, just hoping that's to hold it. hold the ceiling and hoping to see uh, some more support this time around. And I think, uh, you know, from a strategy standpoint, we'll believe it when we see it, and we're hoping to see it. <laughs> we're still in the middle range. We'll see if we test the lows and then uh, see what's going on. But it was interesting. Um, I was – who was I talking to? It was, maybe it was Les Parker the other day and then also had someone else confirm it to go – we could see some pretty significant volatility here coming up in the in the month of March, March, March Madness, in a different way other than the basketball tournament, and some things yeah. going on pending. So we'll see. We're going to see uh, – some are predicting we're going to go below the current floor that we're seeing, which is kind of stuck at just a little over 6.1 or 6 – yeah, 1.614. Yeah, you know, depending on that floor. Depending on the um, the extent to which Japanese accounts are influencing treasuries right now, and that's a hotly debated topic in around trader okay. campfires, um, we could see a really strong April because Japan's uh, fiscal year end is at the end of this month, and uh, word on the street is they've, right. been, they've been selling a lot of treasuries. So if that's been a, as much of a factor as some say it is, then April could be you know where we really see our first nice correction in 2021. But uh, as I continue to tell my audience on MBS Live, this is a a sell-off. This is a a rising rate environment where you want to leave the burden of proof on bond buyers and on a rally to establish itself before you sort of bet on it or before you change anything about your own strategy and your approach to the market, because it it has been defying a lot of expectations for resilience. Yeah, when you got volatility, where you're looking to get finding out what's going on, I got to tell you, everybody, you got to check out Matt's website, mbslive.net. It has got loaded, loaded, loaded with all kinds of good comments and information. Again, the news, the live news stream is one of my favorite areas. Um, I'm probably locked mostly on the te- 10-year treasury and the graphs that's there and how you can roll across, see where things are at. You got a one-day view. You can go out two days, five days, one month, three months, six months, five years, all the way out. And all, it's fascinating the amount of information you have on here. And the best part, you let our listeners check it out and experience it uh, on a trial basis, and you double the trial period at no with no other cost requirement of a credit card. So, Matt, very grateful for that. Very, very much. Appreciate it. You bet. All right. 
Matt, have a blessed day. Look forward to seeing you back here next week. And uh, always enjoy and grateful for your participation. Thanks, Dave. Have a good one. You bet. Yeah, what's that song? Uh, you know what? I realized when I was talking about the lyrics, you know, that what goes up, what comes down, it's Blood, Sweat, and Tears from 1969. The lyrics of that song are so fitting, Alice. And so you, 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 you were, you and uh, your wonderful husband were uh, getting along pretty good at that age. You remember that, that era, music? It's such a fun era. Just love it. I do, but, you know, for our listeners' benefit, I was three. No. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you so oh, you're yeah, no I love that stuff. Right well, out. you know, I'm a Detroiter, so I love yeah. Motown as well. So, anyway. Yeah, Great lots music. of fun stuff. So, uh, Matt brought up about the rate. Uh, mm-hmm. issues and the pricing issues and the, whether it's aggregate, it's monthly, it's buy lender now for our investment and second home property borrowers. Uh, so I think Matt covered it great. I don't need to pile on with that. It is a challenge every single day right now as lenders are trying to really see how the market's going to react because no one wants to end up being the low-priced provider and then you end up being where everyone wants to sell your loans, right? So um, you get adversely selected. So I think the, the whole market's trying to just gauge, I, I want to be with everybody. I don't want to be adversely selected. Uh, but some markets know they need this business. It's a big part of, you know, their uh, business model and then the climate where, um, you know, they can really make some, there's good loans out there, right? Doesn't mean they're all bad loans. So I think that's uh, where we're at right now. Nothing, just constant change every day with that topic. <laughs> That is an understatement. That we're in the mortgage business. Change is the right. cost. <laughs> yes. If you thought you weren't going to ride a roller coaster, you might want to pick another industry. So um, <laughs> that's what we that's what we tell people who are in the business who are new. Uh, but my report, Dave, is really just to let uh, everybody know Fannie Mae came out with uh, a lender letter, and actually this one, uh, the publication date was on the 11th, but it, as far as the letter dated itself, but I know this was crossing everybody's desks, um, you know, in the last few days to make sure we all picked up on the changes that were coming out of this. So this is lender letter 21-03 related to the COVID-19 rules that are impacting origination. And really the main thing is to look at that each one of the topics is covered again in detail. They've added some clarifications, but they're now saying this is getting put in the guide and it's going to stick. So when you think about what's the impact to COVID to our industry, it has now permanently changed underwriting guidelines. These are no longer every 30 days, every 60 days going to get pushed out. So for those of you who might not be intimately familiar with what this is, uh, uh, there are some changes to verbal verification of employment, how quickly and repeatedly we have to do that. Power of attorney, I do want to remind everybody, you should be looking at your POA policies scrub it and fix it because there are a lot of nitty-gritty details that uh, people keep recognizing and one of them I was talking to another lender another shop and they had missed that the POA requirements that Freddie published and then Fannie followed require that the borrower actually sign an acknowledgement that and this acknowledgement timing has to be between the um, the time of the CD and closing so after finalizing the closing disclosure, but prior to the closing itself, 
somebody at the lender or the settlement agent must explain and discuss the terms of the mortgage and the use of the POA. And that sounds easy. Okay, I just have to have a discussion. But the paragraph does go on to say, how are you going to document and prove that you did this, right? In mortgage banking, if there isn't a document or record that says you did it, then, you know, the assumption is going to be that you may not have done it. So just a heads up on the POA, that most companies have had to really revamp their POA policies, get that communication out to their teams uh, to make sure they're getting that right. The other aspect of COVID has been the age of the documents, that they could only be 60 days. Those of us remember when they could be 120 and 180 and longer for new construction. So all of that is now basically just staying in place. We're going to have, for the foreseeable future, that all our docs must be updated every single 60 days, and that includes uh, C2P credit docs as well. So lots different from an operational standpoint when you think, oh, do I only have to do this for a short period of time and maybe this will go away, to, okay, now I've got to have this in place permanently. This is the way I'm going to train everybody, and I've got to make sure my systems are set up for the long haul to do this. Uh, verification of self-employed borrowers, all of that is super deep. Lots of analysis for year-to-date P&Ls. Yes, if they haven't done their tax returns for 2020, you need a 2020 P&L and a year-to-date P&L. Don't forget that. And the bank statements to go with them. So lots of self-employed borrowers are going to continue to feel the pinch. Uh, same with the furlough borrower regulations and then the temporary eligibility requirements for purchase and refinance for uh, borrowers going through loss mid or reinstatement. So this is a, a nine-page lender letter but it really has a big long-term impact. And um, and the final thing really is that they are, they're not buying loans that are 12 months old anymore. It's down to six. So you just have to really, you know, as far as your seasoning, uh, what defines a seasoned loan, and all of these being until further notice. So that's the big change this week, Dave, uh, as lenders kind of retool for COVID guidelines now being very long-term. Now I'll pass yeah. it back to you. Good job. Appreciate it so much, Alice, being here. And uh, I mean, I'm looking at this. I just went through a refinance and the documentation. I could tell the lender was so confused. I go, do you not listen to the podcast? Because (laughs) Alice would have helped stretch you straight. They were going, wait, we need this. Now we don't need this. Now we do need this. We're not sure. We don't know what we're doing. That's what I wanted to say. So I literally said the underwriter, listen to Alice's segment. It's so good. Anyway, appreciate you being here, Alice. Say hi to Bill. Tell him again how much feedback we're getting on the interview that we did with him on leadership. Can't wait to get into that topic in the Hot Topic segment. I know you can't join us because you're dropping out to a meeting. You are so busy there, but you guys are growing, and it's just because you guys have a great culture and the way you're growing the business. So it's not surprising. you got to run to a meeting, so we're sorry to see you go, but have a blessed rest of your week, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Oh, thanks, Dave. Oh, wait, I just realized, and I want to clarify. There. Yep. There are there are extensions to the uh, the the there are certain ex, uh, items that are not being extended. So appraisal flexibilities, for example, yeah, are not yep. being extended. I just want to make sure everybody was clear on uh, some of the things that uh, were being that I was referring to. What are the items that are going to be permanent? There are some that won't be extended. So please make sure you go check those lender letters out. Good reminder. Thank you, Alice. Thank Appreciate you. It very much. Okay. Alan's joining us with the tech update. Alan, what you have, friend? Hey, David, and our listeners, happy Monday, TGIM, if I say yes. David Licken style. How's yeah. it going? It's good. Awesome. <laughs> other than embarrassing myself with who the artist is with what goes up and who goes what goes down, but other than that, yeah. 
It's all right. We like your singing. You, you did you did good enough. You're good enough for a, a karaoke night at a at a leftover Chili's somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's exactly right. Where nobody's listening, they're all too drunk to listen, or they think it's yeah, good. exactly. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so what's what's going on in mortgage? I know you know more going on that's out there, and you could possibly share with us. And it's odd, just like you just want to take you and just ring you and like get all that new. After. There's a lot happening in the world, isn't there? A lot of exciting stuff. There is. There's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on, and it's these <laughs> little stories that always catch my eye. Um, you know, this one's pretty cool. Everyone loves their pets. I mean, pets is just a billion, multi-billion dollar industry. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you watch Shark Tank, I mean, it's like every every other episode is people selling something for their pets. Well, Lender Logics, which is a tech company, they now will send your pet a welcome to your new home gift box. A day after the closing, the homeowners will receive a text <laughs> message asking what type of pet do you have and how many? And you'll get a welcome package for your furry friends as well as a customized pet tag. I'm guessing, David, it probably has their name and their new address. And guess the best part? It runs automatic from the LOS. So if you're interested in connecting with your borrowers, that customer experience is everything, the furry yeah. friends are everything, check it out, Lender Logics. I thought that was pretty cool. And that's an L-O-G-I-X at the end, by the way. Very good. Uh, David, David, data, 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 right? David, the three Ds, David and data. So TransUnion has now said that they found three data points about post-COVID borrowers. And they're saying the first one, 35% of of the population, that their income has not decreased and no decrease is planned. So they're in good shape. 27% of the population see that income has decreased, but they do plan to recover. And 22% of the population have seen a decrease, and some say they are unsure or doubtful that their finances will recover. And I mention this only because not not because I want to, you know, kind of put clouds on today's weather or anything like that, just that, you know, we're continuing to leverage data. Partners like TransUnion, who they're using trended data, and they're helping us look at ways to understand who our customers are. This is really important. And so as you continue to use data to look at your new customers and how you market and how you ingest new applications and those experiences, data like this is extremely critical. So uh, I'm sure others have it as well. You want to take a look at TransUnion. Now, David, last week, if you remember, I mentioned how excited I was. I love the fact that, you know, financial literacy is a big deal in banking and that in the mortgage side of the fence with new borrowers, there, there needs to be some type of education and literacy in those borrower and loan officer one-to-one experiences, right? The in-branch experience, whatever, whatever you call it. So Google announced the details of their new certification program, and I quickly mentioned that last week. Uh, they've got three programs that are huge in project management, which is, I mean, no project lives correctly or can live correctly without project management. Um, data analytics, which is just we live on data. Um, what would sportscasters do without having data, right, to be able to say that this is the first time when it was sunny and I had a hot dog that, you know, this guy ran in three seconds. And then also the ability to um, to to be an expert in UX design, which we're going to talk about in a moment. So anyways, I didn't realize, I knew and I, I couldn't remember and I wanted to mention it, but Better.com has already hired thousands from this Google program. And Better has increased their workforce from 1,000 to more than 6,000 over the past year. This Google program works for all types of people. So if you're interested, you want to reach out to Google, 
they are training people to fit within your organization. And if you're looking to bring some fresh minds into your organization, um, maybe you want to connect with Google. Interesting. And, David, as you and I know, not everybody's meant for a four-year college program, right? And so this is another way to get some really good training uh, from some of the best. Now, Blend. Blend's doing all kinds of things, David. They just made an announcement that they're opening the digital doorway, uh, which really is what we call omnichannel lending, right? They're giving Mm -hmm. financial institutions the ability to have one entrance way to multiple financial products, one experience. It's all about the borrower's experience, the ease of use, as well as the back end, right? But, you know, they need to retain that investment and continue to make investment in their members and their customers. So, Blend made that announcement, but second is they just made an agreement to acquire Title 365, and what they're saying is they're going to deeply integrate title and settlement into the loan process by automating the title commitments, um, reconciling settlement fees in real time, and streamlining between all the different parties that exist on the transaction, uh, all part of their interface and part of their technology partners. So uh, hats off to Blend. It sounds really interesting, and if uh, you're a Blend user, you want to check it out. Virtual demo days, David. We have had plenty of them, and there's more. Well, Housing Wire has an upcoming virtual demo day. If you're interested, you want to check that out. Um, and then, you know, David, I just want to spend a quick minute. I want to talk about product principles. We keep mentioning it, and I've, I've brought a couple things up about customer experience and how important it is. I want to mention something. You know, we're so used to today, and you don't even realize it, but you've got um, – on TikTok, you've got on Snapchat, the way that you scroll videos. If you're not doing it, your kids are doing it, or your nieces and nephews are doing it. Anyways, YouTube just introduced it. The trend is moving. We're moving to where we no longer click on videos and see a list of videos on the right, but you swipe up and you swipe down with your fingers and you click if you want to see more information. That's user experience. And you know what else that is, David? That's gamification. So not only have the big tech giants started to go that way, including YouTube, but it's all about product principles. And the reason I bring this up to our audience is it is so important that even if you have a bad product, you still have to have some type of product principle and a way to help guide your users. And those are things with videos. You can use a technology called WalkMe where it literally sits on your screen. Have you ever downloaded an app and all of a sudden out of nowhere it says, you know, click here, click here, and it shows you, guides you how to use that app real quick the first, you know, time you yeah. use it? Yeah. It's, it's called walkme.com. It's a great technology. How to use guides. No one wants to read Word documents and PDFs of instructions. And in, in fact, we don't do it when we buy something from the store, so why would we do it on our computer when we want to use it as a software? <laughs> so having quick access to videos, help to guides, walkmes, It's called gamification. It's called product principles, user experience. And you can use and leverage that information to drive that experience. And by the way, it's not just about your customers, your borrowers, your members. It's about your internal users as well. Mm -hmm. Having that efficiency within your systems, working with your partners to have the right documentation. A lot of partners will say they'll work with you to create your own videos and technical documentation. So, Today, today, you know, there's so much we could talk about product principles. David, we probably could bring a couple folks on and even have them talk about it. But just wanted yeah, to yeah. sort of ring the bell in everyone's mind that, you know, gamification, product principles, YouTube's doing it. Everybody's looking at ways to better interact I, and work with the borrower. I just noticed that. And user, the consumer. Yeah, I just noticed that uh, when watching a, some uh, YouTube videos yesterday. I just noticed this. Very good, Al. Excellent. And we can do that yeah. here. And you're right. So 
We know guys don't ask for directions. That's an age-old joke. Uh, based That's on right. All the evidence, at least in our household. And um, yeah. but I mean, be able to have ways in which to educate people on your um, your devices on a new app or whatever. That's right. People got to incorporate that. And Good you know, job, Al. David, we should tell our audience that if they're interested in finding out which chilies uh, you'll be moonlighting your karaoke skills at, <laughs> or if they want to know more about gamification and product like principles and user design and everything else that uh, that we do, they can reach out to uh, David or Alan at tms-advisors.com. That's good job, Alan. Appreciate it. Good job. Appreciate you being on here each and every week, bringing us some great, great information. Have a great rest of your week. And, man, I know I can't wait for you to start sharing all the information that you're hearing about out there that we can't talk about yet. It's pretty exciting. All right, everybody, that wraps up this week's weekly mortgage update.